Welcome to the very first episode of the Magnitude Monthly Marketing Mix podcast. I am Leona Laurie, the president of Magnitude Incorporated, joined by Marcia Simmons, head of content at Magnitude. podcast, we are going to look back at the major themes and trends that have dominated at least our internal conversation over the course of the previous month. And this month, the one that we really want to look at is all the shakeup in the social media sphere and what that means for brands who are either planning to enter social media strategically or who have already been there and are not sure how this affects them. Today, we're going to talk about Twitter which, depending on who you're listening to, is either in the middle of a free fall brought on by Elon Musk's gross mismanagement and misunderstanding of the platform, or in the middle of a strategic sabotage job by Elon Musk, who wants to undermine the value of the platform as a reliable source for journalism and uh, group protests because he's pro-billionaire. But in either case, Twitter is going through the kind of radical transformation that is making it a less less reliable basket to put any eggs in when you're thinking about your social media and communications strategy. And concurrent to that, uh, we've got TikTok, which now both Democrats and Republicans are looking at critically because of the security concerns in the Chinese-owned app. And... We've got Meta laying off 11,000 people and uh, that calling into question a lot of the things that they're going to be able to do. So, Marsha, what do you think about all this stuff? Well, one thing is, I don't know about you, but I've noticed about 30% of the people I'm following on Twitter have said goodbye to their audience about six times. And some of that that is based on actual things that have happened on the app or on the web which is stuff isn't working anymore. You're not seeing as many tweets as you were before. And some of that is based on things that Elon Musk is doing and how people think that's going to affect things. So right now, what I'm seeing is a bunch of people saying goodbye and saying that they're going to Mastodon, coming back and saying it's weird and they don't like it, saying they're going to Hive, coming back and saying, I don't think this is ready yet. So I don't actually have any idea where people are actually going. Well, I think a lot of people are sticking around just to see how it plays out, but also because they don't have a better idea yet, I'd say that the time that I spend there falls into that category right now, which is, um, you know, I think what we all need to be doing is taking a very critical look at our audiences and paying more attention to what they are doing in each unique instance than to what the general masses are doing. And for for my purposes right now, the audiences that I'm paying attention to are in that sort of limbo state on Twitter where they're still there because they don't really know what else to do, um, but they're expecting to migrate. So it's it's still a place that I see value in, but I'm taking it literally on a day-by-day basis. Is it still there? Is it a place where there's anybody I need to reach who's there? And my expectation is that in the new year, there will be a lot of people who, if a new platform does not emerge quickly, 
And I think Blue Sky by the creator of Twitter is one of the rumored alternatives to come forward. But, you know, like I've had our interns look into Mastodon and co-host. Oh, I actually have not heard of that one. Both of our interns um, at my request tried to sign up for Mastodon and co-host accounts two weeks ago and still haven't been verified as users. So they can go in there, but they can't do anything in there. And that is enough information for me. If a brand was looking to jump off Twitter right now and went over to a platform that didn't verify it for activity immediately, it would have to move on. It can't just wait around indefinitely. And I think there are a lot of barriers to entry, like with Mastodon in particular, because it's Web3 and decentralized, you've got individuals who own the servers where all of the activity is taking place, and those people can just shut them down. So there's no guarantees or safety about any of the things that you're doing on there. You could log in one day and it just doesn't exist for you anymore. Your history's gone, your community's gone. So unless your community is really there, it's not worth you being there. And that I think that's the thing. So my guess is, like from where I sit today and everything is changing so fast, it's hard to say if this is going to be my perspective in a week's time. From where I sit today, I think LinkedIn is going to see a big boost in people coming back and being like, hey, what's been going on over here all this time? And we know that that's happening with Tumblr, where people who haven't been active on Tumblr for ages are going back there. I think all of the, you know, let's call them legacy platforms that haven't been the cool kids are suddenly going to get a lot of action with people who don't have a better idea of where to go and want a familiar platform that that doesn't operate like on on a unique server. Well, and one thing about knowing your audience is knowing why they're on Twitter or whatever social media in the first place. And a lot of times it's because it's easy and that's where everybody is. And so with Mastodon, if you happen to be very into Linux and <laughs> work in that field, you were already on there, you understand how it works, it operates the way you expect it to. But if you are coming there expecting it to be a Twitter replacement, you're going to be very surprised not only by the different servers, but by the fact that there aren't DMs in the way that people who use Twitter think of it. Your DMs are, are public. And if you mention somebody in a DM, like if you were talking behind their back or just simply mentioning them, they are tagged into your conversation and they will see all of it. And those are just not the norms of Twitter. And so if you go on there thinking, great, that's where everybody moved, even if you have a very tech savvy audience, they're just not going to be used to those norms. That's not the way that they've been using that platform. Whereas something like LinkedIn, the difference is it's more of a professional audience and it's a little bit more constrained in the ways that you can communicate. But it has all of the same like norms and expectations as Twitter or Instagram. Well, I think Twitter, LinkedIn, or well, LinkedIn, yes, as a broadcast medium. Twitter, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram, like the the OG general, pretty much everybody has an account on these platforms. I think they've allowed a lot of brands and marketers to get complacent and to say, we know that we can go to Facebook and target an audience within their massive user base. It's, you know, it's billions of people who have an account there. I was looking at statistics today for each of the platforms. I'm sorry that I didn't write them down. I think it's, I think it's, it's more than a billion people who have Facebook accounts. I think so. So, yeah. you know, the funny thing is like when I talk to clients about the number of people who have accounts. It's not the number of active users. 
and active user is a pretty broad term. You know, if you say like one of our, one of the people that I talk to a lot about LinkedIn, they're, they ask a lot of really good questions about like, who's going to see the thing that I'm publishing? And the answer is, I don't know who's going to log in. You know, the, the people in your network may not log in to see this message or they might come in once a month. They qualify as an active user, but not a daily user. And even if they come in once a day, maybe they come in for five minutes and they go. They're not just playing with it all day the way people do with Twitter or the way people do with Instagram where they're just scrolling when they're bored or when it's their job or whatever the case may be. I lost my train of thought. What was I saying? Oh, I don't know. I lost your train of this thought, is a, too. This is a good podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 10 out of 10 would listen. <laughs> Be there for the live event is what I'm feeling. <laughs> There's got to be an Ace Hotel or someplace that wants to host the two of us talking about marketing in a freeform way. Well, one thing about LinkedIn is the people who use it most actively are recruiting or marketing and then also yeah. journalists doing research on their topic. And so if you are a company whose target audience isn't using LinkedIn one of those ways, it can really be a challenge to use it effectively the way that you're used to using something like Twitter or Facebook or even Instagram, depending on what kind of business you have. I think you make an interesting point about Mastodon in the way that you're not allowed to message privately, though. Like, I can see Facebook being reinvigorated by people not having a better idea right now too because what what you've got with Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn are public facing and private conversations on a platform that reaches multiple audiences where you can segment it down. And I think right now anytime you look at one of these emerging platforms even though Mastodon's been around for a long time Web3, I think you have to call it emerging technology because it hasn't gone fully mainstream now. So anything that lives there also, I would classify as emerging for our purposes. When you're looking at an emerging technology or an emerging platform, there are early adopters. They're already there. There are people who are going to come in and get it and like it. And if it's going to be the popular new place, they'll stick around and help it go mainstream. But I would say that most of the people who are daily users of Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn are old enough that they are probably going to want something more familiar and leave Twitter, if they do leave Twitter, to go to one of these other platforms. And honestly, from what I'm seeing, I don't think people are leaving Twitter. I think there are some people who've done it sort of performatively, uh, some people who tried and it didn't stick. But I think that a lot of people are really just sticking around to see what's going to happen and hoping that somehow it doesn't crash because they don't have a better idea and they do like it. Well, and a lot of people who have built their brand on Twitter mm. are essentially preparing to get kicked out. It's not so much that they're going to leave. They're ready for it to explode or to suddenly find out that their audience isn't there anymore. And that's really what's happening. And, you know, as much as it's functionality seems to be changing from day to day, it still works. You can still mm -hmm. pretty much do everything on it that you did before. Mm -hmm. Weird things with verification aside. Yeah. I was having a really good conversation earlier today about the nuances in the different platforms. And uh, I 
logged into Tumblr for the first time in a while. And it was as I remembered it. And I was thinking, how would I characterize what the differences are between the alternative platforms right now? I think your description of Mastodon being like, if you like Linux, you'll like this platform. This is for people who build their own PCs. Like, yeah, okay. So you have like where it is today, you have to really like to get under the hood of the applications you use and and want to go about it that way. Co-host, I'm sorry, co-host, we can't get in you because of the verification period. And also I can't remember your name. So best of luck. We'll see. We'll see how that goes. Hive, same thing. Couldn't get in there quickly enough to develop an opinion about it at this point. Well, and the interesting thing about Hive is this is something that they're planning on fixing, but you can't claim your name and assume that it will stay claimed. They, oh. they don't have a very good verification system. And I don't mean verification in the way that Twitter uses it as in verifying your identity. It's like simply verifying that somebody else isn't using the name you're trying to use. And oh. there's been a lot of confusion around that. It sounds more like a bug than how they designed it. I think basically this was still in development. They saw an opportunity with what was happening with Twitter and they were like, hey guys, we're, we're cool like Twitter used to be and they're just not ready. Yeah. I'm on a waiting list for something called Post right now as well. Yeah. But I think if you're looking at the ones that are the most mainstream, um, you made a comment to me before we started about the surprise that some brands will get if they're like, well, we should go get active on Reddit then. Like, <laughs> I think I think with the where the bar is on a lot of these platforms, certainly the emerging Web3 ones, but also the legacy ones that aren't as like haven't been as popular recently as these the you know the ones that we've mentioned over and over there is more of an expectation that you are going to be a an individual not an organization or a mouthpiece coming in to make real connections with people who are also real individuals now that is not obviously going to be universally true on every platform and sometimes there are brands public figures or entities that go in there and very effectively engage on the terms of the platform but the terms of the platform are critical if you know your audience well well let's start with if you know yourself like if you have a lot of awareness self-awareness as a brand or an organization and you have a clear understanding of who your audience is, and you know for sure where they are, those are two really important things. But where they are has its own code of conduct. And so if you go there and treat each of these platforms like they're totally homogenous, you will not be successful there. You know, you have to have, based, what, I, what I would say is you have to enter as a listener and get a sense of the nuance of the platform before you try to engage so that you really get what people are doing there. And I think you'd be surprised when you go to Tumblr, for example, you're like, oh, a lot of people are going over to Tumblr. I, I hear that's popular again. And it's fans. It's people who are passionate about the thing they're passionate about. They love that. They come there to talk to other people about it. That is what they're there for. And if you come in to a conversation about steady, this is this is one of the uh, hashtags I went down a rabbit hole with. This is fan art and fan fiction about Steve and Eddie from Stranger Things being in a romantic relationship. I was relieved to find out that it was not erotica for the most part, but it's like people who've written these really 
sweet scenes of Steve and Eddie being a loving couple who support each other. <laughs> well, one of the things about that is that is so much in the character of um, Tumblr that one of the ways that they're trying to keep new people out or make new people feel weird is they've made up a Scorsese film. I think it's called oh, yeah? like, Goranchu or something like that. And yeah. there is elaborate fan fiction about it like elaborate talk about the origin of the film and how there's going to be a remake and it's not authentic and they've built a whole world around this but it's sort of predicated on that thing where you trick the new person coming in to haze them but secretly you kind of don't want them to join your organization so like they want people to essentially come in and be like oh yeah Garanchu or whatever it's called. I've heard of that. I want to participate or to just get so weirded out that they're like, Twitter is not the place for me. And therefore, Pepsi is not going to use this to market their product to me. Tumblr is not the place for me, I think you mean. Oh, what did I say? Twitter. Oh, Tumblr is not the place for me. <laughs> that is what I said. Yes, I think there's a lot of trolling going on. However, it's pretty good natured. You know, I think the... And it's funny. The... Yeah, the barrier to entry is low. Like, if you get there and you recognize what's going on, I think you're invited to participate. But if you get there and you don't recognize it, they don't really want you to go any farther. Um, with Reddit, I was thinking, I was, I was thinking of what the difference between Reddit and Tumblr is. Reddit is where you go to say something you know, share a fact that you found, share a link to something, comment on someone else's thing with your two cents. Ah. Oh, well, actually, you know, like, I think it's a place to share knowledge, to say something. I would call Tumblr a place to engage with a community who shares your love of something. And it's, uh, I mean, aside from like them putting up the sign on the clubhouse that says, no outsiders, go away. Uh, it's a very gentle platform, I think is how I want to describe it. Yeah, as long as you're using it the way that it's supposed to be used. Exactly. I mean, the same thing with Reddit. You can do lots of things on there, but you're either sharing your knowledge or asking a question because you know that's a place that people go to share their knowledge. Mm -hmm. Well, and I would say, unless you want to start writing like uh, fanfic and doing fan art about politicians who would make really great couples or sports figures who probably have really charming hobbies outside of their sports jobs. Tumblr is not really about that. And Twitter is very much about that. So that, you know, you can't just come over to Tumblr and be like, let me rant to you about what's happening in the political scene. It's not the platform for that. And the same is true of LinkedIn. You know, LinkedIn's expectation is that they're, you're there to have professional conversation, professional networking. So you're totally right. The people who are there are primarily like, who are the visibly active users. Uh, LinkedIn influencers, thought leader types who want to, you know, sell you their latest book about optimizing LinkedIn, um, who want to inspire you, job seekers, job recruiters, marketers, uh, less visibly active salespeople who go there and do a lot of research but do not participate in the activity in a visible way, journalists doing the same thing. 
So, you know, when you go there, the expectation is that you're going to play by those rules. And if you take your Twitter activity over to LinkedIn and suddenly you're logging into LinkedIn 40 times a day to say, I really hate what they've done with the lineup on the Pats ever since Gronk left, you know, like <laughs> that's not what that platform is for. It's not going to go over well. Well, the interesting, you have to have a sense of that. The interesting thing about Twitter is while it has its own culture and expectations, it's also the places where people will take things from the other platforms they're active on and engage about it on Twitter. Mm -hmm. Not just sharing it like I post the same thing everywhere, but being like, take a look at what's going on in Tumblr. Let's discuss it here on Twitter. Did you see yeah. this weird like thought leadership post on LinkedIn? Let's talk about it on Twitter. And that's yeah. something that, to my knowledge, none of the new platforms are really capitalizing on. I mean, Mastodon a little bit, but the topics are a little bit more narrow. And you, because of the way that it's cordoned off, you'd have to go to each federation to talk about whatever it is that you wanted to mm -hmm. talk about rather than throwing it in the main feed. I was wondering if maybe RSS feeds would make a comeback because Twitter, I don't, people don't ever talk about it this way anymore, but it's a microblog. And that is essentially how it functions. You're reading a reverse. I said still reverse chronologically or no, it's algorithm too now. Mm -hmm. So you're reading a feed of things you've opted into and things that are being served to you. Um, and it is essentially microblogs. And if you go back to the RSS feed and you opt into actual blogs from around the internet and get them fed to you where you can comment on them and... DM people, uh, you know, you get a similar experience. I can't imagine us going all the way back to that, but I feel more motivated to blog than I have in years. Well, and a lot of people who have their brands on Twitter, whether they're writers or other types of content creators, are essentially saying, hey, subscribe to my Substack. Join me yes. on Patreon. You know, they're making people keep track of a bunch of different actual blogs if you want to simplify it and so that could lead to some kind of social media service that seems very familiar to people who grew up using rss feeds to keep track yeah. of all the blogs yeah i think right now i you know there's there, i haven't seen any scuttlebutt about facebook falling out of fever at, i mean like falling any further out of favor um since its user base skews so much older than any of the other platforms right now or Instagram falling out, falling further out of favor, despite the fact that the platform cannot be what it is and is determined to rip off TikTok and try to be TikTok. But I think that the financial woes of the parent company may leak into those. And my guess is that it would be out of desperation. Like if they lean harder into the features that make people angry, if Facebook ads become, you know, with whatever their machine learning tool is that's supposed to predict who's going to look at their ads that you know that's unproven technology there's no evidence that that's going to be as effective as the old model and I think it's arguable that the old model was not consistently effective I think a lot of the numbers that have come out of Facebook the whole time have been vanity numbers they haven't necessarily been about conversions sales ROI and I think that this is a moment where Facebook and Instagram may be negatively affected just by the fact that the company's financial fortunes are going to make them sloppy, like care less about the community and the way it uses it than they already do, more about trying to get some money coming in through features that are not 
good. <laughs> well, and right now I think all of the platforms are sort of at this phase where they're like, do we have to have a new feature? Is there a feature that's popular on this other platform that we need to have? And so, you know, you get things like, no, people are, there are videos on Twitter. People are not coming to Twitter for video. So if you turned that into a TikTok copycat, you're losing why people came there in the first place. And Facebook, because it has so many different things that it does, is the most guilty of that. I mean, they were the driving force behind every um, marketer and journalist and news organization saying, we need to pivot to video, more video, more video. And then it turned out there wasn't as much of a demand from the consumer side and the audience side for video as there was an advantage to Facebook to push video. And so when marketers and brands are reacting to these changes in the platforms, it's not always a good plan. No. Well, another platform that I think has got to be, actually, I, I, I kind of feel like every platform is benefiting, at least in the short term, from the mess at Twitter, where people are saying, I'm just going to go over here and see what this is like. And a lot of them are boomeranging right back to Twitter because it's their comfort zone. But YouTube is one that I suspect people are going to be spending more time on. That's, you know, again, it's got the feed that you can shape with your own subscriptions and interests, places where you can leave a comment and share. You're right, though, that there really isn't another thing exactly like Twitter in terms of taking the stuff you found other places and bringing it there to discuss. That That is a bit of a hole in the market. And I was wondering also how much benefit Twitch is seeing from this. Like, I've always thought of Twitch as sort of an outlier, a place where you know, primarily gamers, but certainly not exclusively, go to do their thing. But during the pandemic, there were so many other initiatives that were using Twitch, like the live events industry trying to make a play there for creating a streaming platform for things that people couldn't go to in person. And I know that there are a lot of people who do things there that they might also do on OnlyFans. Like, I remember tuning into one one time to a woman who was doing this very elaborate body paint while her Patreon was tracking people who were paying her while they watched her. She was nude. There was nothing, you know, obscene about what she was doing, but she was a naked lady painting her body on a live stream and and doing it for several hours. I wouldn't say that's gaming content, and that was happening on Twitch. And so I'm wondering, like, if we look at this in January, which, you know, is not that far off, I'd be interested to see what everybody else's numbers look like because of Twitter imploding. Well, and when it comes down to like the existing big platforms, Twitter and Facebook are really the only ones where you can communicate and do all of the different functions. Like you want to do text only, you can do that. You want to form a community there, you can do that. You want to do video, you want to do still images, like you can do all of those things. You can sell things. Whereas other platforms, people, the users creatively find a way to make it serve whatever function they want, but they're pretty much, this is the one way that you communicate on this platform. This is the one thing you do. And those are the only two that I really think are trying to be an entire ecosystem and keep everything there. Mm. Well, I feel like this is a topic that we could discuss all day, which would be too long for a podcast. Yes. I think we've hit all of the high points of things that 
we felt really revved up to hit that have been in all of our social feeds, in all the things that we're reading, in all of our conversations with clients lately who are wondering, what are we supposed to do? And I think if I was going to put it in a nutshell, it would be, but I mean, I think this advice is applicable no matter what your marketing intentions are. Know yourself well, like have a really clear idea of who you are, what your brand identity and purpose is. Know your audience, which I just, I find so shocking when people have not clearly defined who the intended and expected audience for their offering is. Know what you're trying to accomplish. So if you are trying to enter social media strategically or do any kind of marketing initiative where you care about getting a good return on your investment, being able to articulate clearly what you're trying to accomplish is important. And then if it does involve social during any time, but especially this very tumultuous time, understand the platform before you go barreling in and say, we are this, we're trying to reach these people to do this, and here we are at Tumblr, because we heard people are going there. You know, like, get the platform down before you get active. Well, a lot of that boils down to whatever you're going to do, do it on purpose because of the (laughs) strategy you have. (laughs) Instead of being like, well, everybody's going to Tumblr, we'll go there too. Or we want to reach a lot of people and a lot of people are here, but it's not the people you're trying to reach. So if you have a strategy and everything you do is on purpose based on who you are, who your audience is and who the plat, what the platform is, you'll be 20 steps ahead of a lot of people who are just chasing their tail, trying to figure out where everybody's going and if they should be going too. Marsha, as we wrap up, are there any other major themes or trends that you observed in the month of November 2022 that you think are worth shining a little light on quickly? No. (laughs) Is that a helpful answer? I am fully in agreement. I think if we'd been having this conversation at the end of October, I would have wanted to talk a lot more about Web3 and the metaverse, but Twitter has just been the dominant part of our conversation lately and the layoffs at Facebook have put it in a solid number two. Today I saw a headline, Google considering 10,000 layoffs because of what the other guys are doing. And, you know, we're definitely at a moment where there's a big shakeup happening in a lot of the spaces that I think everybody in our industry has gotten really comfortable in. I I don't want to say lazy because I don't think that's correct, but I think we've started taking things for granted that maybe we're not as stable as we perceived them to be. Because all of the changes that have happened before haven't been or haven't seemed as dramatic. So what's mm-hmm. happening now is sort of sucked all the air out of the room for all of the other conversations because it's so unexpected and it's so dramatic. Okay, well, thanks so much for tuning in. We hope you'll come back and join us at the end of December when we'll be looking at the month of December. And even though it's only our second episode, doing a little bit of year in review. Uh, again, I'm Leona Laurie from Magnitude Incorporated. I'm Marcia Simmons from Magnitude Incorporated. And we hope we'll catch you next time.